vomited the last 12 times I've been here. <laughs> <laughs> Which he has. Which may or and may not be No, you're not. Oh, okay. That's, that's yes. Can Hopefully we play this during the introduction of the next episode? <laughs> but this is not happening this time. No, it's not. Okay. It's not. No, honestly, as weird as it may sound, I think it actually helps me to drink a beer with food before I drink all the scotch. Huh. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, what? I think it acclimates my stomach to it. Yeah, that pr- actually makes Conditions sense. Conditions your body? Yeah. Yeah. And it just. I think yeah, my stomach's so ready and it's like, okay, we're drinking now. Yeah, right. Oh, is that what we're doing? Yeah, All right. It's like let, me, a gentle... let, me, let me just shift the metabolism. I've got some food in here to shift it. All right, I'm ready for it. Okay, let's bring it on. This just. this Like, you have a master's in science, right? Like, that statement that you just made proved that you have Perfectly a scientific. In yep. Super, super yep. science. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> 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 So, it's been two weeks. We hope you've enjoyed this binge as long as we have. Mm. Yeah, we hope you've been drinking also. So much. I know we have. So if much. If your glass has been empty for more than five seconds over you, this entire you two need week to leave. period... Shame on you. And you need to leave. Like, seriously, this is only for people who've been drinking for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, uh... <laughs> Welcome back. This is this is a weird intro because this is the first time I've we've done like a part a, two, a, a mid discussion intro, yeah, a, a mid discussion mm-hmm. episode, really. Yeah. Um. So I don't really know what to say. Welcome back. Um. Obviously, I guess... there's some immunity on the Scotch talk for the for the beginning of the right. Episode. We need to we need to like <laughs> we need to like make a make a break. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And Josiah already refilled his glass just now, so Dang like it. We'll we could have refill had the, it no, a little more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that that would be okay. I, I thought you were gonna you were like I'm like, gonna pour, pour it back it. in. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not a like, monster. <laughs> Good. Good. Uh, um, I'm not I gonna spill on my pants either. I, <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I wasn't sure how much that uh, time spent naked on the hillside, strapped into chains, had had changed you. Mm. Um, that's okay. The wind really, man took me away. <laughs> really, it he was touched, it when he the touched me in a really special way, and we just left. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Really, it was when the eagle. That's came verbatim and ate what happens oh, in the book. Yeah, what... <laughs> oh. Yes. No, it's shut up. Also, talking what? to the animals. Wind, the wind guy came and took her away. Oh wait, it is. You're yeah. Right. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, I read the book. <laughs> Did you? No, I clearly didn't. As we know from all the other episodes of this podcast, you I only read, read the first, the first, the first five first pages. Yes. And then I just analyze the hell out of that and hope that nobody notices that I don't know anything else that happened in the entire book. You actually can get a, quite actually... a few themes right away from the first paragraph, well, okay. actually. And that's, well, hold on. Why... Let's, let's tell the people who we are first. Okay. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Um, if you... If you've listened this far, why? Like, if you've listened this far without having listened to any of our other episodes, why? Because you might not even lost. be the actual hosts. <laughs> we probably aren't. We probably killed them. But you've got a you've got a thirty three percent chance that we are not the actual hosts of this podcast. Uh, they put us in a box with a a. a, a Neutron or something that had a 50-50 chance of breaking down and killing us. So we are now Schrodinger's podcast. Well, dang okay. it. Stop. So, I what I'm saying is, if you if you have not listened to part one of uh, Michael and Ethan with, in a room with Scotch, the uh, Till We Have Faces era, go listen to part one. Um, I think I'm going to abbreviate this intro a little bit. Just, yep. Yep, and just let keep you it short. listen to the intro to part one. Um, go back to, what is it, episode four? 
Read yeah. that list. Read that one first. Read yeah. that one first. Okay. So I'm Ethan Bartlett. I'm Michael Lilienthal. And I'm their guest, Josiah. Thank you, Josiah. Still not changing the title of the podcast nope. for you. Fine. Even though <laughs> didn't you have been in more than a third of the podcast, technically. That's true. Wow. That's true. But you're still not still, getting credit. Uh, no, no um, I'm still. I'm still. You're in, still the butt. I'm still um, also starring. Yep. <laughs> also starring. Or like guest starring. Mm-hmm. Um, or like cameo that we don't reveal until the end. Or like guest starring, if you could call it starring. Like right. What they put on right. the credits when they don't yeah. really like, like the person. And introducing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And introducing young yeah. Josiah Lowe. If you guys didn't have um, scotch, I would say I'd never come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know that's not true. You, you, know you love, love us. <laughs> I love oh, the scotch. It would be less that if we had planned that. Yeah, that's um, true. Okay. So, we are Michael and Ethan in a room with scotch with Josiah. Because we are Michael and Ethan, and we are in a room that has scotch in it. And also Josiah. And Josiah. Thanks, Ethan. And you're Michael. So, uh, we are still discussing, like we were doing last episode, the book Till We Have Faces by C.S. Lewis. And we're drinking. And we're drinking scotch. Old Pulteney. But in a moment... Oh, yes, thank you. We are drinking Old Pulteney. Oh, you guys are clearly right. In a moment, we're going to clink our glasses. Once we clink our glasses, the rules kick in. Rule number one, no one mentions the scotch. Rule number two, no one mentions anyone's mother's. Anyone's mother's. Not even mine. Right. Or Josiah's. Or yours. Or mine. Um, (laughs) Can we talk about other people's mothers? (laughs) If it's not in any way a your mom joke of any kind, then yes. I think we can talk about the mothers of people connected to the book. Right. But what if they are a joke? Then we do lose. Uh, Yep. Yep. So that's too bad. Actually, I don't think anyone's moms are using a joking fashion here. And so, (laughs) if we do mention the scotch or anyone's mothers, we suffer the punishment. Josiah, do you have another punishment lined up for us? I'll think of one. Okay. Uh, I hated um, that one. That was my least favorite. Josiah, can the punishment that you think of not involve marshmallows or us putting things in our mouths in any way? I'll try not to make it that thing. Okay. Try really hard. <laughs> because remember that even though you are the guest and you get special privileges because of that, there are two of us, and we could probably take you. I'm pretty sure Karen would be on his side. Not once she knew that Josiah was trying to choke us. No, she'd be on his side. What? <laughs> well, then we don't open the door before we can. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Duh. Closed door. Yes. Closed door. Hmm. Anyhow, yes, I will think of something. Okay. More humane, possibly. Yeah. Ugh, possibly. possibly. Yeah. All right, we have to stop doing that. <sighs> shut up. <laughs> you shut up. You shut up. You Anyhow. Sparcha. Brost. <laughs> I couldn't think of your Jewish one, so I said <laughs> <laughs> You're Jewish. <one. laughs> uh, thanks for that. You're welcome. It was it was Hebrew, wasn't it? Yes. Okay. L'chaim. Thank you. L'chaim. Thank L'chaim. You. To life. If you've seen Fiddler, you don't even have to know Hebrew. Oh, if you've seen Fiddler on the Roof, which I haven't about. What? Um, I got to the part where they were bellowing the main theme in the audience's face, and I stopped watching. Well, that's not anybody else's fault but your own. It is. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's so, let's flip this whole paradigm on its head and show you how you are the villain. As a music teacher, I'm very upset. 
Well, give me a D and get it over with, just like all my other teachers. Oh, I was gonna, I was gonna mention I, last I episode. I hate students that are I apathetic to have, about how they're doing. Josiah, <laughs> I wanted to have Josiah. I wanted to have Josiah promote himself because Josiah is the starring producer of something. What are you doing? What are you? Who are you? What? We don't, nope, no. Anybody who's listens to episode four has no idea who you are. I'm producing something. Yeah. What? Are, who are you? What are you producing? What are you producing? What's what's your big project? Well, I'm producing. Not the gas. You're, you're, you're the a star of a podcast, right? Well, actually, I'm I'm producing the new Hulk movies. I, guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like World War Hulk, I guess, is what I'm producing. Yes, that's it. That <laughs> wonderful, yeah, adaptation of the comic. That's going to be a podcast, I guess. Sure. You got to do Planet Hulk first, though, right? I mean. Yeah. Well, Planet Hulk. You're doing that first, and then World War. What Hulk? did I say? You said World War Hulk. Okay. So World is War World War Hulk. War Hulk? Is World War Hulk a thing? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah, because in Planet Hulk, Hulk and his whole family get nuked by yeah. the Avengers, basically yeah. accidentally. The Avengers didn't mean to, but mm-hmm. the ship that they launched Hulk through malfunctioned. Obviously, I'm not producing it if I don't even know the plot. So, I was or say, maybe I am. Sound about <laughs> as well informed as any Hollywood producer. There we go. But so Hulk, in Avengers Rage, takes his friends. A what? From what kind the of rage? Avengers Rage. Okay, that kind. Yeah, Avengers. Yeah. Okay. It's a word. Yeah. Okay. Caused by the Avengers. Called by, <laughs> ca- caused by the Avengers. Uh, he takes his friends and he goes back to Earth and holds the Earth hostage in order to destroy the Avengers, to avenge himself on the Avengers. In Ironically, order to defeat them. Yeah. I'm really happy that we're talking about this instead of the book that we're actually <laughs> supposed to be talking about. No, actually, our 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 last hour being mostly on topic was pretty weird. Yeah, to that's, be honest, that's strange. Like. We we usually aren't that good. No, um, no, we're not. I was getting a little bit well, uncomfortable. It's, it's me. To be that's quite what it is. Oh, I'm the yeah, new element. You are you are the anchor. So yeah, the point are... is, we need to kick Josiah off, right? Yeah, Go that's away. right. Yeah, Go you're, away. you're, you're ruining it. You're ruining the the free Hulk, form and Hulk, comedic Hulk. nature. No, Hulk. do not take the scotch. <laughs> Damn it! No! <laughs> <laughs> wow! Oh man! I got so upset. Uh, oh man! We are my my darling. We are at ten tw- ten minutes and 27 seconds things are so much better with me (laughs) that depends on what you say next (laughs) now i definitely have to think of a good punishment all right let's 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 talk while Mm -hmm. while you're thinking about Mm -hmm. this so um more scared by the moment (laughs) (laughs) so till we have faces by c.s lewis something i wanted to ask you guys earlier uh and ethan i was thinking about you in this regard because you mentioned uh world building yes previously uh and did i not not in this episode. Oh, in the previous earlier, episode. Er, yeah. oh, okay, okay, yes. Um, so what in what world does this book take place? Is the question I want to ask. That is a very valid uh, question because, and I I do almost really wonder what C.S. Lewis would say here. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know we have some of our like modernist schools of uh, literary criticism that say the author is dead and like his opinion doesn't matter and only what you get from the text is relevant. But the thing about those critics is that screw them. <laughs> um, I hate them. At least I hate that that theory and that way of looking at text, to be honest. I mean, you can get some things out of it. You can, just, just from saying, what can I get from this text as a completion unto itself? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting way to look at it, but I think an equally interesting and valid way to look at it is all of the things that flow into the text to, mm-hmm. 
to give it meaning and to help to put it create it in context. its own world. Yeah. yeah. So that said, I would really like to hear C.S. Lewis's answer to that question. Yes. Um, because, you know, I don't, first of all, you, you said something last episode that, that were C.S. Lewis, our, our theoretical fourth uh, musketeer here with his, his cigars and uh, helping us drink. And I want a cigar that C.S. Lewis brings. Right. Anyway, if if he were here, as soon as do you, do you know what word he would have objected to you saying immediately last what? episode? Allegory. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You said you said allegory, and I didn't jump on you at the time because no. there were there were other interesting things happening. But he hated the idea that any of his books were allegory. Yes. Including Narnia, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, even though the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you know, has a very sort of one of the most obvious out of what I'd call the working Christ symbols in literature, you know, out of, mm-hmm. out of all of the books that, that remain relevant and, and that, you know, stand the test of time to any extent. Um, this, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe has one of the most obvious Christ symbols. Yes. Um, Which and, in, in my defense, follows... I use the word allegory simply for expediency. Right. So, and, and you know, we could have, we could have gone down that rabbit trail. And, right. Let's um, not. Which, which, but by let's the way, not. Tolkien kind of hated that about... Yes. Tolkien hated it. If you've seen that meme of, of C.S. Lewis and, and Tolkien, Tolkien texting yes. back and forth, yes. it's, it's hilarious. hilarious. Yes. <laughs> I, still don't, I still hate your magical Jesus lion. <laughs> <laughs> which is another rabbit trail we could go down about how Tolkien and C.S. Lewis hated each other's but we're also, respective but we're also best, best buds. Friends. We're best friends, but hated each other's respective beloved fantasy yep. works, which is just great. Anyway. It, it's awesome. It's it's just very British, actually. Is, it really is. is. I, mm-hmm. uh, I hate I you lo- so much. I love you. I love <laughs> you, but I hate your stuff. No, I love you. <laughs> I love you, but I hate everything you've ever spent time on and poured your heart into. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, um, uh, it's good. So yeah. Uh, now I forgot what the hell I was even saying. Allegory. Talk- right, allegory. So yeah, like nope. I I don't know. I don't even know anymore. What world does this take place? Okay, in? okay. There yeah, we go. That was so, my initial question. Yes. Um, like so obviously Lewis would not have said this was an allegory. Right. He would have hated that interpretation. Would he have said it was a fantasy or a or a, a fairy tale world? That I'm I'm more curious about. Or yeah. would he have considered this just a a historical novel? Sure. Um, one series of books that I thought of a lot while rereading this because I had read this before was Gene Wolfe's. Uh, series um, the the Latro saga, which is three books. I believe the first one is called uh, Soldier of the Mist. Um, and this these these books take place in you know, a couple hundred BC in sort of the Greek Roman world. And Latro, it's revealed, is a soldier from uh, the city of Sidon. Um, mm. But he's ended up sort of as a mercenary, sort of fighting in in some of um, I don't know if it's the Punic Wars. I don't remember exactly. Anyway, some of the wars in, in sort of Greece and Rome and, and that whole area. Pindar is a character in it, so that might help some of the more efficient Greek scholars out there date this the setting more accurately. Anyway, um, but Latro uh, forgets everything that he that he experienced yesterday. He forgets it every morning. Oh. Um, and the the conceit of this book is that this is his so scroll. the fifty first dates disease right which fifty first dates stole its premise from uh, Christopher Nolan's movie Memento yep but mm-hmm. Soldier of the Mist was released approximately ten years before Memento was um, mm. 
giving Wolf. I, I and I am I don't actually know if if Chris Nolan knew if these books. Yeah, mm-hmm. influence um, there. Right. Even. So, but Wolf uh, writes <laughs> sort of. So the conceit of these books, like I say, is that this is Latro's scroll in which he he sort of uses to remember everything. Which you know, when it gets to be more book length, becomes a more ridiculous conceit. Like he has to wake up every morning and read a novel before he you know before he can go about his day or whatever. But the the there's sort of a further conceit where Gene Wolfe himself, as the author, is like introducing this as like a scroll that was recently discovered in an mm, archaeological mm-hmm. dig. That frame story. Yeah, sort of the frame of the frame, I mm. guess. And uh, in in his sort of uh, quote unquote authorial introduction, Wolfe um, has says some really interesting things about ancient Greece, including the fact that like you know keeping keeping someone as a slave in a lot of contexts was the more humane thing to do because to release them and send them away was to put them in a context where they could just be killed by anybody with impunity among other things um but he wolf mentions that you know to the greeks just seeing gods and seeing you know sort of visions or or apparitions just was part of everyday life like Mm. the i think wolf mentions uh, a, a historical account of the Battle of Marathon, where of course the the runner you know runs his his twenty six miles to the king to report uh, the battle, mm-hmm. and everything about this story is is historical except that the runner, in with all of his details of troop movements and and you know troop counts and so forth, he recounts to the king this story of uh, seeing seeing a god in the middle of his run. He stopped and talked to this god, and the mm-hmm. god like you know materialized in front of him and and they they had a conversation the god dematerialized and the guy kept going and this was as much a part of everyday experience as you know as the you know, running through the forest or seeing the battle or any of this stuff and you know i think lewis would have been very a, a, awake to that reality in the ancient world the fact woke. that he would have um, been woke I was trying to avoid that, <laughs> and so let's pretend it didn't get said. But he would have he would have been aware of this, cut this reality. Thank you. No, I won't. I don't believe. <laughs> I mean, I do believe that you won't. But yeah, um, yeah, he he would have he would have known that this was you know reality in the in the ancient world. So you know, in a large sense, Lewis and you know, as a valid point of view for us, we could just see this as just a historical novel. Okay. That it's simply history, mm-hmm. um, and that you know, and and obviously, even if it's not, it takes some things from history, sort of along the lines of like the Princess Bride, you know, being set in this little tiny European kingdom. Um, so you have references to France and Spain, even though this is clearly sort of a fantasy fairy tale mm-hmm. thing. So I guess that's the other option is that this is just sort of a fairy tale with reference to to reality, and you know, Lewis really to his sort of I'd say craft credit doesn't give us an easy answer to this. We right. don't know. You know, is this a fairy tale? Is this history in which, you know, people see gods as they did in our actual history? I don't know. Can I can I answer the question that I posed? You can. Uh, can you, I can I can uh, I want to just completely reduce the entire yep. Uh, long intricate statement you, you that I just made. You talked for like ten minutes. 
Go ahead. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna overturn everything you said. No, actually, I agree. In oh, I was hoping you would because then it would be like a parallel to the book structure. But yep. now I hate you. Yeah. Mm. Uh, no. So okay. So in in C.S. Lewis's other fictional works, right? Specifically, I'm thinking about the Chronicles of Narnia. Right. When you get to the magician's nephew. Uh, in in order of how he wrote them, even though Magician's Nephew chronologically occurs first. Right, uh, which is a debate that my first girlfriend and I still have not resolved because what? she won't admit that she's wrong. The word still is, is a problem to me. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, but don't What's let me distract debate? you. Go on. But go ahead. Okay, it, we're we're gonna leave that behind. Listeners, <laughs> listeners, tweet at us with hashtag Ethan's first date. <laughs> I said first girlfriend. Okay. Actually, there okay. Is actually e- hashtags Ethan's first GF. So he had tons of dates before this girlfriend. So no, many dates not before the girlfriend. I hate all of you. I hate all two of you. Wow. Okay, this is a problem. Lots has been found out. <laughs> Okay, so uh, in The Magician's Nephew, you right. establish the fact that Narnia is one of many worlds. Yes. Uh, in this this Louisian multiverse. Look at me coining a word. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you for Louisian multiverse. All the other reasons I have ever said I hate you have now fallen away, and I hate you for that. <laughs> but proceed. Okay, so in the Louisian multiverse, yes. I think this applies. In the Louisian multiverse. Also... It is partially the same as our universe in that that idea that you have of the gods speaking to the ancients mm-hmm. and stuff that 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 that, that picture. So um, you're you're asserting, if I'm hearing you correctly, that this is just not our world and not obviously like Narnia or something. It's like a third world in the Louisian multiverse. Yes. Okay. Proceed. And also our universe. Uh, so because I think there's a a passage somewhere in one of Lewis's works. Uh, one of his the, the Chronicles of Narnia about how the worlds are like collapsing together and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Last I think bow, this, right? yes, and I and I think this collapses into our world. Okay. Um, but like in the ancient world. But in the ancient world, right? Uh, I want to so turn your attention confusing. to page three hundred and five, um, and and we're we're looking at uh, the let me let me look at the publication date on here for 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 those reading along at home. Fifty six, right? Uh, well, fifty six is when it when it was first published. Yes. Uh, but the the first harvest edition harvest edition was in nineteen eighty. Okay. The first Mariner books edition in twenty twelve, and this is the Mariner books uh, edition with the the black and white cover and everything. So if you're reading along at home, find oh, that copy, go out and buy it, and pick it up and bring it back home and look. To yeah, page, we're not going to pause. Just, just hit the pause or the stop button. Yep, we're not player. stopping. We're not, we're we're not, not stopping, stopping for you. Or you can, the needle on the record player. Yeah, for those of you stuck in Josiah's Guys, era. I don't. I can't stop. Michael, Josiah and I just come from different worlds in the Louisiana multiverse. <laughs> okay, fine. <Yeah. laughs> and our worlds are better than yours, by the way. God. Anyway, True. 305. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the fox is talking to Orwall. What does the fox say? <laughs> all right, all right. We're done. We're out. We're done. <laughs> no, no. We'll come back. We're just getting rid of him. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. You should be. Ugh. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> okay, top of the page. page this is why. This is why we make two-hour podcasts because it takes us half an hour to say one thing. Right. <laughs> this is a problem. We're, we're twenty-five minutes in. No, not even twenty-four. Anyway, okay. So the fox says, 
Josiah. <laughs> uh, okay, in the middle of the second paragraph, only this I know. This age of ours will one day be the distant past, and the divine nature can change the past. Nothing is yet in its true form. Uh, that's the point where I, 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 that question that I posed, what world does this take place in? Okay. That was my question throughout the entire book. And then we got to page 305, and I saw that paragraph, and all of a sudden I realized, okay, it's both this world and not this world. Right. Because C.S. Lewis is stupid, and I hate him, and I love him, and he's brilliant. Well, which, that's, that's also the reaction that I had to you just now coming up with this. Which, which mostly the, the I hate you part. Which, by right. the way, that quote from the Fox of, of just this idea that we don't know the nature yes! of it is goes completely against everything his character has said right throughout the whole book he's right. completely changed yes. by yes. this point oh mm -hmm. oh like one of the major themes in the book that yes. change idea yeah, yeah. he the change of character i mean i up... wrote in the back mortals are changeable by nature and frivolous and up to up to this frivolous, point yes. the his frivolous big, his big key phrase throughout the book all the time is According to nature. Nature. Yeah. Nature. According to nature. Yes. Over and over and over again. Which is he's why I wrote everything. Yeah. Compare on Miracles yeah. so frequently in the margins of this book. C.S. Mm -hmm. Lewis's nonfiction work on miracles. Right. Mm -hmm. When he talks about the supernatural being able to invade the natural. Right. Mm -hmm. And how that's incomprehensible to the natural, but the supernatural still is there. Right. Because it's mm -hmm. supernatural. It's it, Of course it's able to invade. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so we're now twenty-five-ish minutes in, roughly a little about halfway through the last episode, which seems like an appropriate po point to bring up the end. Um, okay. So we've, I mean, we've we've done some mucking the, the around non -end? In, the, in the final part. Um, I wasn't quite there yet. Uh, but. Uh, well, no, I am. I am actually thinking of more or less the end. And this this touches touches on some stuff that we've said already. But I I first read this book when I was seventeen, and I read it again. Nerd. Right. Shortly later, when I was maybe eighteen or nineteen, um, with a group of of uh, middle aged Lutheran men who were all much smarter and wiser than I was, and <laughs> was the best context for a nineteen year old me to read this book. But sounds formative. It was, it, yeah, in a sense it was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I had a similar experience to you, Michael, that you talked about in reading uh, East of Eden again, where, sure. you know, I had forgotten a lot about this book. And I was telling Josiah even earlier today that I almost wish I you was You talked reading outside it. the context of this podcast? We did. Um, How dare you? For <laughs> this, we have flagellated ourselves, so I think we're okay. Okay. Um, as long as... I did can I what? see the scars later? <laughs> you can. Okay. Um, you know you would anyway. Uh, yeah. So, um, anyway, I, I sort of wish... Don't look at me like that! <laughs> I sort of wish... Like was, what, Michael? <laughs> I can't talk about this book anymore in the context of the conversation we just We're had. offending C.S. Lewis! We are. That's what I'm... Anyway... Um, sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. Like I have this image. We're of not worthy. We're not worthy. We up. are at three points of a square, and I keep having this image of him, like in a fourth armchair, just in, kind on of the fourth side back of the square. And but no, at this point, he's like turned his armchair around <laughs> and is facing away from us, still smoking, still smoking, but, and, drinking, and drinking my stuff. But 
um, not talking to us anymore. But anyway. I don't blame him. So I wish I had read this book when I was, you know, like, I wish I was first reading this book almost. But that said, I do, I, I, throughout the years, I have come back a few times to just the last chapter of this book. Like, I would feel a great need to reread the last chapter of this book. And a large part of it is simply the the last paragraph that uh, Orwell is, is said to be writing. I ended my first book with the words, no answer. I know now, Lord, why you utter no answer. You are yourself the answer. Ugh. Right, which is the point at which you just die. You just die. Well, well I mean, it's... Um, before your face, questions die away. What other answer would suffice? Only words, words, to be let out to battle against other words. Um, and we'll get to the very last line that she writes, hopefully, in a bit here. But that bit, that actually reminds me of um, when I was in grad school. Uh, I joined as the uh, the resident heretic. I joined a group of of Catholics studying um, <laughs> Thomism, sort of a sort of an informal that you know, fun. study group. And they talked about Aquinas's uh, sort of sort of delineation of the nature of God. Right, and the idea of God is that He is uh, an act of pure existence. So there's no, you know, um, the the teacher, the the guy who who led this group said, you know, there's every everything with physical existence has sort of a being, um, and and sort of a nature, right? So uh, you, you if you hear something, you're on a downstairs room and you hear something above you 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 know that there is something up there so you know there's being right mm -hmm. but you don't know what its nature is whereas if i say uh michael lilienthal that's um, me but i haven't seen you in like say three weeks i don't know what your nature is because you could have died for all i know but i know what your being is and the idea is that god is simply a being whose nature is to be. So he's just this act of existence. Sure. Well, that uh, the Hebrew name that he reveals of himself in Exodus 3 to Moses is I am that I, I am. am. Yes. Eh, yeah. Eh, yeah. Which really for a bunch of ignorant desert dwellers to come up with such an advanced philosophical uh, concept That's cool. and just sort of scribble it down while they were high on drugs or something, really, really sort of a... A fascinating thing, but that's a that's a completely different topic for another time. That's for another our other podcast. Or another podcast. <laughs> um, and that's you know that's that's almost what what Orwell gets to here. Yes, is this idea that there's something that you just come up against that is just this act of pure existence, and and you know, either you reject it or you don't reject it. You right. Know? And if you don't reject it, what else is there? And right. that's and that's where I think the very last line comes in because you know I remember in our very first podcast you said you talked about like the um, question that every book club mm -hmm. or that 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 Murakami's novel wanted every book club to ask right is what, who touched his shoulder who touched his shoulder and I think we have a similar situation here yeah What's, with how does her sentence end I might yeah. <laughs> yeah and so like the classic book club like if I were you know some uh some intern in a publishing house writing like book club questions for this book obviously i'd go to what how does her sentence end? like you said what's, the thing is sentence? though i think that's a valid question for this book i okay i think it is a valid question and we can have that discussion 
for sure. But I also think this is that's just the sentence. Sure. I might. I might. Tim Schull. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is where I went also. Uh, Tim Schull. Yeah. I might. You know, I just it's where it's flux. It's it's you know, do I have a face? Do I not have a face? Where am I? What am I in relation to this thing that I can't accuse? That I can't, you know, that that you know, if I accuse it, my I it, everything simply comes back on me. Right. I might. Right. Right. Well, and and the thing is that now that she's been more or less essentially redeemed by the gods here. Right. That that possibility is open to her. And right. so obviously, C.S. Lewis in writing this book meant to end it with I might. Right. That, that's 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 the only way he could end this book. Right. Uh and it's perfect because now there's possibility. Right. Uh now she might. Right. Uh and, and it's ironic that that's actually not the last sentence of the book. Right. <laughs> she says I might and then you've got this afterward in parentheses and italics by Arnom the priest of Aphrodite. Right. Uh in in this strange land. Uh, where where he talks about the queen and he praises the queen and says that her wishes are to to take this book to the Greek lands and so that's what he's gonna do. Right. Uh, <laughs> Which is just wonderful because he just like he's clearly read this whole thing and just doesn't doesn't get it. Right. He doesn't. Nothing. Absolutely not There's at all. Nothing here. It's 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 absolutely finished for him. Uh, but that fact that I might, and then she dies. Yeah. While writing, I might. Right. There there's there's a future there in the words I might. But it ends for her in this life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that, I might continues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, the possibilities are wide open for her now, for Orwell. Now that she's been redeemed, now that right. part two has occurred mm-hmm. in this book. Uh, at the end of part one, she's done. The the gods are dead. The gods are stupid. The gods are terrible. And she's an old woman and at that she's point. She's an old and woman. this is it. It's done. Which yeah. is, is, is interesting. When you go back to the beginning of the page, let's let's flip it around. Uh, the, the beginning of the book... Uh, Which Josiah started to mention. He did. He did. Um, we didn't let him finish because he's well. Josiah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> but, Though at the same time, I mean, you know, we the, the abbreviated conversation we had there is valid. Like, going back to... I, I sometimes when I read novels I will get a hundred pages in and then I'll go back just and reread the first paragraph. Right. And if it's a it's good a really novel, smart thing to do. It is. And if it mm-hmm. you know if it's a well crafted novel by someone who knows what they're doing, there's always stuff that you can get out of the first paragraph when you do that. Mm-hmm. Even after reading Even if you're just a hundred pages in, let alone yep. finishing the book, there's always stuff you can get that mm-hmm. you wouldn't have been able to get just from mm-hmm. from the opening. Right. Uh but anyway, the be- the book begins I am old now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the whole beginning of the book implies an end, mm-hmm. and that's how you read it. When you start reading mm-hmm. this, you read it as though you know the end, right? Uh, because that's how it's crafted and it's written. She's she's starting with the end. Right. She's old now. She hates the gods. That's how it begins. Yeah. She's yeah. She says, um, "I'm old now and have not much to fear from the anger of gods." Right. And, the anger of the yeah. gods is how they're they're implied mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. They're angry. Mm-hmm. It's and, and so that's how you read it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the the interesting fact is that ends in part one, mm-hmm. and then yeah. you get part two, mm-hmm. and part two starts after the beginning of part one. 
Mm -hmm. It's fascinating, the structure of this book, mm -hmm. how that, that change occurs, which you should see coming with how often mortals change throughout right. part one. Right. You should see changeability is part of who mortals are. Right. And so you should expect it, but you don't. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and then it does change in part two mm -hmm. um, when all of a sudden she's like, I need to write something new. I can't change uh, what I wrote before, she she says that at the beginning of part two, mm -hmm. that I that I can't go back and edit everything that would take too long. Instead, I have to add to it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it would be better to rewrite it from the beginning. From the beginning, but I think there's no time for that. She says on page right. two fifty three. Right. Um, but would it be better? I submit that it would not. No, it wouldn't. It would absolutely wouldn't. not. That that whole idea of the part one being kind of the confession, kind, right. of, kind of being this this is my perception in my nature. Right. And then part two is my perception after the revelation of the gods. Right. <laughs> also, did I don't know if we just pointed this out, but um, the word changes occurs within that first paragraph. Yeah, it does. Uh, my body, this lean carrion that still has to be washed and fed and have clothes hung about it daily with so many changes. Boom! Triangle. Yep. Or the letter delta, depending on what language you speak. Dang it. We should have titled this podcast in the... Na in the nature of like an anime series and called it boom delta boom delta yeah nope that sounds like an anime episode boom mm, delta right yeah <laughs> <laughs> except it would have to have like four other words on it it would yeah. be like boom delta laser gun nutcracker <laughs> tell me you would not I'm watch that series down. i'm writing this down right now we have it recorded we literally recorded yeah but it i'm gonna now. write it down okay <laughs> Boom Delta Laser Gun Nutcracker. <laughs> I may have come up with Nutcracker because there is literally a Nutcracker over Michael's left shoulder, at which I'm sort of pointed. But there we are. See? I've written it down. Look, gentle listener. I have written down. Yeah, see? If you don't see it, you are a wrong listener. Boom Delta Laser wrong Nutcracker. Listen. Laser Gun Nutcracker. Laser Gun Nutcracker. Oh, I'm sorry. You wrote it down wrong. Gentle listener, I apologize. You were right to look away. Because he wrote it down wrong. Look away, look away. Oh my gosh, stop! We're not talking about that show! <laughs> yeah. In this wait, podcast. What? what show? A series of unfortunate events. Um, um, which I haven't watched. Kind of interesting. It's so good! I no, we're not that. talking about okay, it! Everyone. Okay, new new topic. Change. Um, please. Oh, you still have to punish me. It, well, well, yeah, eventually. Are we there oh, yet? Okay. Oh, oh, my gosh. Oh, it's it it's hovering over your head. I know. I like it this. It is like yeah. the vengeance of the gods. I think I've come upon it, but I want to keep talking about the book. Okay. So Because it's interesting! Yeah. And because so, Josiah is our anchor. Question. He is. Question. Um, our main character. How many of the other characters does she assume the identity of? Oh, oh that's an interesting question. Um, obviously, Psyche. Okay, right. obviously Psyche, okay. Like, that's so, stated one. explicitly by okay. the gods. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, that, that whole, that's almost the whole point mm -hmm. of, like, part two. Okay. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. that, that mm -hmm. And it's it's sort of vicarious there. Right. That, mm -hmm. that, that she takes the punishment for Psyche, and kind of Psyche... And Psyche kind of takes, takes her hers. punishment. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's this weird double Christ thing. That yeah, 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 yeah. The Christ yeah. figure is kind of Which split is, between the two. once again, one of those... Just two pages in part two that just stupid will destroy me. So stupid, just like, makes me cry. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Like my wife, like Karen, found me on the bed, just like 
lying face down and, and not able to move. And, that, and she and was that, like, what happened? And Did that, you just get to part two? And I was like, yes. And, that, <laughs> and at the end of the book, when, I mean, when she comes back with the box from the last task that Ungit gives her and opens it up and says, this is for you, the beauty. Yes. And everything. <laughs> and she is able to fully become right. a psyche. And, and like, and, it's, it's for Ungit. But it's for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So which, she is Ungit. Which Ungit, by the way, which even before that point, there have been allusions to her being Ungit with the various yes. visions and everything. And even well, that and the idea... veil and the unclear identity and face and everything. Yeah. It, it ties back yeah. to the face. Yeah. Um, idea. The Well, and I mean, when the king is dying, then he keeps saying, I know who you really are. And she, figure, she figures that she thinks that the king thinks that she's Psyche. Yep. But right. there's and then he's but, delirious. But and I stuff think and... I think there's open interpretation to him thinking maybe it is Unget. That's that's awesome. Maybe. Huh. Um, that is really cool. And I mean and I mean later on with the vision of him with her um dragging her down to the different levels of the prayer right, room. Right. Um he accuses oh. her and calls her Unget. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He does. The mirror yeah, and the, the mirror, mirror is a huge theme. You mentioned this yeah. when we talked about um, uh, uh, East of Eden. Okay, also really fast. If you say the word vampire, no, don't tell him. <laughs> don't tell him. <laughs> we were gonna lead him into this trap without him knowing, and then you were gonna punish him. But now you have told him. <laughs> now I'm safe. So no, the mirror. You pointed that out in East of Eden. That uh-huh. the, 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 those, those sorts of characters, uh, <laughs> when confronted with a mirror, are terrified. Yeah. And, okay, there's the mirror that's brought up, and there's a whole lot of discussion about that mirror. It's yeah. the greatest in the land, and none of the neighboring kingdoms have a better mirror. And that's this, that's Glom's claim to fame, mm-hmm. is the mirror. And so when uh, Orwell is confronted with the mirror, she's terrified. Yeah. And that comes back in part two. Mm-hmm. And it's repeated. And she's terrified of this mirror. Mm-hmm. Absolutely terrified. And mm-hmm. that's her realizing that she is one of those sorts of characters. Oh. <laughs> well, well, and also, and also when she has her courtroom scene and she's yes. reading off, she's reading off her complaint to the gods and everything. And she realizes that her complaint is really a conviction on herself, a and, and and yeah. and it comes conti- back to her, and continually talking about how I feed on everyone, right? And I survive off of everyone, and the Which, whole conversation with um, Bardia's wife, wife. Um, yeah. was uh-huh. all about that. And as I'm reading that, I was like. Michael is so thinking vampire right now. <laughs> so digging into this right now. You don't know me! <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah you, you do. do. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. No, absolutely. Furthermore. And the fact, okay, when she's looking at the the stone that mm-hmm. represents Ungit, and right. that is Ungit, mm-hmm. in the temple, and the blood of the pigeon is poured over it, where does the blood pool? Where she visualizes the mouth of Ungit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. drinking the blood. Mm-hmm. Very clearly, she pictures the gods as drinking the blood of the people and mm-hmm. devouring them. And then she realizes, no, that's not the god, that's me. Mm-hmm. Well, and and also at a different point, she associates herself with the shadow brute, which mm-hmm. is which yes. is arguably Ungit or arguably this other mountain god, um, aka Cupid or 
whatever the case right, may be. Right, right. Um, but, and I mean, that's another character that she embodies. Yes. Um, and I mean, yeah. It's yeah. fascinating how that all works. And the very name, Oruwal, um, take away the U, what do you get? Oral. Oral. Mm-hmm. The uh, Verbal, speaking, out mm-hmm. of the mouth. Um, the, the mouth is her identity. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. fascinating. Part yeah, of the face, and... for one, uh, mm-hmm. and also the, the vocal part of the face, speaking, well, and, and also the tooth part of the face, right. devouring. Right. Um, and, and also, as we get to that part of the book when she veils herself, and that's part of how she dresses and how she presents herself, she it gets to the point as years pass that nobody even remembers what she looks like, or yes. nobody even knows, and people know her by her voice. Yes. And people associate with her identity her identity by her voice. No, and it's mm-hmm. fascinating that people invent who she is. Mm-hmm. Um, they, mm-hmm. they, uh, she, they, she, she depicts how people picture her as as beautiful. Um, I forget how that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's up, Michael? Gentle listener, <laughs> Josiah made an obscene gesture. No, I did not. <laughs> what were you doing, Josiah? Nothing. With your gesture. Nothing. Do you admit that you made a gesture? No. Then, <laughs> gentle listener, Josiah is lying. And you cannot what? trust anything no. he has said so far. Because he's a vampire! <laughs> wow. Well, <laughs> we've got oh. two of us punished. <laughs> No, that doesn't count as a punishment. It does. No, that wasn't no. an established okay. rule beforehand. Josiah and I made a secret rule. You no. can't make before secret this episode. No. What? We got you to no. say okay. okay. no. Gentle listener, judge between that. the gods and me. <laughs> First of all, you just called Josiah and me gods, so we can inflict anything Thank you. on you we want. I was speaking metaphorically. You call this metaphorical, God? Yes. I think that means we metaphorically can inflict anything on you we want. Metaphorically, you can suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Gentle listener, once again this episode has broken down in chaos. Oh man. I tried really hard, guys. I'm really sorry. Well, you and, just and, said, and just to clarify, just when I say guys, really I'm hard. talking to you. I'm very, very sorry. You just said really hard, so you're just as guilty as any of us. What? The guiltiest. The guiltest. Guiltest. The guiltestly. Guilt. What? Guiltily-estly. Guilt, guilt, guilty, 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 That's not a word. Uh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I was making a point, and I don't remember. I what do it feel was. like you were too, and I feel like I was really interested. Mm-hmm. And but now I it's have gone. No idea what it was. God, that's your mm-hmm. fault. I blame you. I blame both of you. It's Josiah's fault. It, it's mm-hmm. yours if, and Josiah's. No, fault. but if it's Josiah's fault, he loses too, and then all three of us lose. Is that a rule? Uh huh. Okay, sure, it's a rule. we'll go with that. Yep, all right, all three of us lose. Uh, what? Yep. Wait, yep. me? How did yep. I lose? Because you said vampire. Dang it. Yeah. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> all right, which we're actually more or less at that point in the, in the broadcast. <sighs> Michael, can, can we do you have any idea talk? of what you were saying? Can we conclude what talk? What, go what, ahead. The, the talk about the book. So, Orwell was making a point somewhere in the middle of the book. She said something, and it was interesting. And it applied to something else. You, you were, we were on the topic of her, like, people finding, 
Thinking she was beautiful because of the Thinking she was beautiful. I can't remember where exactly mm-hmm. that occurred. Yeah, where yeah. You were talking about Oral and I perceived her as and beautiful. I talk, and I talked about how people associated her voice. Yes. That's her identity. Oh, yes. Yep, and she makes the yes. point, too, that the god's voice is identifiable and that people might suppose that a man's voice is the god's, but nobody would suppose that a god's voice is a man's. It's, mm. it, it's very clear mm-hmm. when a god mm-hmm. speaks. Um, but, um, so, so her, her face, because it's unseen, people perceive it as a God's face, mm-hmm. uh, more or less. She explicitly, there, there's something really interesting and in Um, so when we talked about, um, south of the border, west of the sun, um. I hate that you can do that at this point in the broadcast. Shut up. And I can't say that title sober. South of the border, west of the sun. Uh, so when we talk about that, you brought up, in fact, what I had written in the margins of my book. Uh-huh. So figure that out. Uh, when uh, the the Hajme, the the narrator, went from no to maybe to yes, yeah, in there, uh, it came close in this book uh, where Orwal made the progression uh, when she's speaking with Psyche mm. from mother to father to king yes. and she came this close to being god uh-huh. uh, and she made that progression she was ascending she was like mm-hmm. psyche i'm your mother psyche i'm your father psyche i'm your king and mm-hmm. she was so close to saying psyche i'm your god mm-hmm. and she came that close mm-hmm. to it and i think i think c.s lewis in his brain thought that if Orwell had said she was God, if she had said it explicitly, she accused the gods plenty. Mm-hmm. She thought the mm-hmm. gods were beneath her plenty. But if she had said that she was a god, she was she would be unredeemable. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean the thing, the thing is too, when you get to that end of the book courtroom scene and she's listing off her mm-hmm. um, argument, then it doesn't say blatantly, but it basically comes out and says, "I am." god yes and and yeah it's the question of who gets to judge whom yeah and it's it's stated so ironically Mm -hmm. how the gods allow themselves to be judged by orwell Mm -hmm. and then offer their defense very briefly and how it just backfires on her yeah so bad it's so masterful the way Mm -hmm. c.s lewis puts that Mm -hmm. in this book i i don't care what your religious persuasion is uh but how c.s lewis puts this Mm is masterful absolutely mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. read this as fiction we when i when i brought this book up when i suggested this book when i when i brought this book to the podcast i mentioned that you find it in the christian life section uh-huh. of barnes and noble which is stupid it's bizarre it's it, it is really bizarre i i to an extent i can see it but also read it as just pure fiction mm-hmm. because this book is amazing mm-hmm. as pure fiction and it applies just as pure fiction Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there's that allegorical, I'm using air quotes here, heavy, heavy air quotes, yes. quotes for allegorical. Let the, let, let the gentle reader note the Note, note, note these air quotes. Do you hear them? Do you let, hear them? Do you hear them? Let, let, whoa, okay. whoa, whoa, calm down. Those are some very <laughs> just frisky air quotes. Destroyed the microphone. <laughs> but let the gentle reader still note the heaviness of Listen. Michael's air quotes. <laughs> His air cords. Yes. Proceed with your air cords. My point being that it's masterful. The way he flips things upside down. Yes. In this book. I agree. The way Orwell realizes that her perception is not perfect. Yes. And All realizes right. that there is this other perception that completely flips hers on its head. Right. And for so, all of that to be contained, 
within the same book world right. once again is a masterful feat. It's it's absolutely um, masterful. I, I honestly, you know, I know a lot of people read and love Narnia and that's great. They're and wonderful. It's awesome, books, sure. But if I were to say if if you were to say to me which one book by C. S. Lewis should I read Till We Have Faces. Yep. Hands down. Honestly, at least at least on the fiction side. If, sure. if if I met an adult who had not read any C.S. Lewis, had not read The Lion, Lewis, and the Wardrobe, mm-hmm. I would tell them to read Till We Have Faces mm-hmm. before The Lion, Lewis, and the Wardrobe. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. Maybe we're jumping the gun no. on, on this. No, we're not. On the end of the podcast. We are absolutely I feel fair. like I have so much more to say. So, gentle listener, if, if if I have not said as much as you want me to say, <laughs> clap now. Clap if you believe. Go that. away. Go away. <laughs> no, clap if you believe in Michael saying more stuff. Please clap. Oh wait. Oh, do I? I don't. I don't hear any clap. Do you hear any clapping, Josiah? Am I clapping loud enough? Clap harder, please. And Michael is dead. Okay. Uh, no. Josiah, I believe you Not need again. to inflict punishments on both of us. Uh, Michael went first last time, so I can take okay. the ignominy of And Josiah of also first, receives so. punishment. I have yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, oh, do you? Because I do too. Okay. okay. Oh, but you can do Whoa, hold on. I feel okay. like we should inflict All right. Well, okay. That seems you know, partway through the podcast, you mentioned that you had a nutcracker over there. Yes. I want yes. that nutcracker. I don't want to okay. give it to you. All right. Now, so. gentle listener, this is a nutcracker that I have literally had since the age of like okay. six, I think. Have you given this nutcracker wow. a voice? No. No, I'm you haven't. I have not. Okay. He always just stands a silent okay. sentinel. You know, I kind of just decided your nutcracker. During the month of December. Your nutcracker. If you desecrate my nutcracker, I'm I not will castigate you. you. Um, Your nutcracker, I've decided, is a voice cracker. What? He talks with a very grand voice. Oh, so he's hitting puberty. Yes. That's about right. He's yes. about like a 15 at this point. Yes, yes. He's hitting puberty. And here's the thing. He's going to deliver a Shakespeare soliloquy. In, so what you've in... come up with is mostly a visual gag for our podcast. <laughs> oh, but we'll enjoy wow. it and they'll enjoy oh, it. I they'll, opened they'll, Hamlet here. They'll enjoy it. Two, scene they'll, two, they'll, uh, to Hamlet where he says words, words, words to Polonius because that's at the end of this book. Words okay. to be let out to battle yeah. against other words. Anyhow, anyhow, what yep. Ethan, Which what I'm going to have right? Ethan yep. do yeah. is page 308, read it, figure out words, 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 then come back to us. <laughs> all right. Michael gets anyhow. very textual at the end of this show. Anyhow, Shush! So... I don't at all. You don't know me. <laughs> I'm my own person! No, you're not. So, Ethan, you have to deliver the St. Crispin Day speech. Oh, yes! Um, Wait, that means my nutcracker? Yes, as your nutcracker going through puberty. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, starting with this line. Starting with this line, this day. Alright, I'll trade you. Very good. This day is called the Feast of Crispin! He that outlives this day and comes safe home will stand a tiptoe when the day is named and rouse him at the name of Crispian. He that shall live this day and see old age will yearly on the vigil feast his neighbors and say tomorrow is Saint Crispian. Then he will strip his sleeve and show his scars and say, these wounds I had on Crispian's <laughs> day. 
old men forget. Yet all shall be forgot, but he'll remember with advantages what feats he did that day. Then shall our names, familiar in his mouth as household words, Harry the King, Bedford and Exeter, Warwick and Talbot, Salisbury and Gloucester, be in their flowing cups fleshly, freshly, fleshly remembered. This story shall the good man teach his son, and Crispin Crispian shall ne'er go by from this day to the ending of the world, but we in it shall be remembered. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers, for he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Be he ne'er so vile, this day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen in England now abed shall think themselves accursed they were not here and hold their manhoods cheap. Well, any speaks that fought, fought with us upon St. Crispin's day. <laughs> Very nice. I feel like the Nutcracker didn't say that speech as much as he just cracked nuts enough for every man in England's <laughs> army. <laughs> Pretty much. So that's how they won the war. Okay, so Michael, you have to do a similar thing. You have to voice the Nutcracker in a cracky puberty voice. Uh, Wait, and you don't actually have two punishments. You just have one, one punishment for, for both the both of us. us. What? Yeah, but different speeches. Okay. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, I I'm, see. I'm differentiating. So kind of like it's, the marshmallows. It's, yeah, yeah, it's 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 equitable, however slightly so different. You're a communist. Yes. You've yes. admitted it. You've admitted it. Uh, Josiah's a communist. Okay. Call Hashtag Josiah's a communist. Hashtag call Joe McCarthy. <laughs> okay, so I've got to look up this speech. One second. You aren't prepared with this one? Oh, what? Quiet. Cancel right. it. Maybe I'll just inflict my punishment on oh. Michael, and then he'll flick his on yours. Oh, Wait. that's sad. Oh, I I have to tell you about this after after you do your thing. Dear. Uh, I'm worried. I am too. <laughs> this is definitely getting cut, Let's right? See. This is good radio right here. <laughs> <laughs> this is crap-ass radio, is what you mean. Sounds uh, really I'm redundant. getting there. <laughs> this is why you prepared, Josiah. I had been prepared, but then I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Michael had the worst of the two punishments last time. Yes, it did. Um, it was terrible. So, Hamlet? Come on. I had 964 okay. lines. All right, it was anyhow. 969 Here you go. You Here you go. Was it? You, yeah. are, okay. you, sir, are reading for a little bit of a shorter section, Macbeth, and uh, here Ooh. is your speech. Okay, Macbeth. Here we go. The Nutcracker says... She should have died hereafter. There would have been a time for such a word. Tomorrow, turn tomorrow, and tomorrow. Creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time and all our yesterdays, which is a Star Trek episode, have lighted fools. The way to dusty death. Out! Out! Brief candle! 
Life's but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage, and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know who that was more of a punishment for. <laughs> <laughs> I think the gentle listener loses. In every case, if you're listening to this, I mean, we talk stop. stop. We, talk, we talk all the time, or you two talk all the time about how you guys are losing every time. You guys are nearly as big of losers as the listeners. Absolutely true. true. Right. So, do with that in mind, let's inflict our punishments Josiah? upon Josiah. Oh, Go ahead. good. Uh, Josiah. Punishments? Punishments. Yep, what? You get two. What? How do I get two? Um, Josiah. I didn't do anything last time. This I have on the screen of my phone is the first sentence of A Tale of Two Cities. What? Oh. That was literally going to oh. be what my punishment involved. Hold on. Involved. There's a twist in mine. Well, so, there was a twist in mine, too, so... Mine's probably, different from yours. Is it? it, it probably. It probably I want you, in one breath... Is that different from yours? Yes. One breath... No. Wait, no, it's not. One breath to read every other word oh, of the first sentence of A Tale of Two Cities. Every other word. You are not allowed to read any of the second... and Any of the even words of A Tale of Two Cities in one breath. It's the of, 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 had before we nothing us were going to, we all direct other in the so like present that of noisy as it's said it's received good for in superlative of only <laughs> did you get through it all yes very good oh, round of applause oh, round of applause oh, for Josiah oh. yay alright oh. 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 Josiah breathe deep yeah because I'm drawing a card. My, uh, you better not draw the card I think you're going to draw. Not, I'm not doing oh, that card. This will be up to you. Mm. Um, so, uh. what I have here, gentle listener, that as you can see, these gold cards passing through my hands, is from a game called Utter Nonsense. Utter Nonsense is a wonderful game. Mm -hmm. um, and they are not funding us at all, so this is just us saying stuff about them. But uh, Utter Nonsense is a game in which uh, you pick an accent, and then everyone has a series of cards with lines on them. And for the accent, you have to uh, say one of the, the cards in your hand in that accent. Um, and there's a judge, and the judge decides who gets the, the accent, who, who did the best thing, they get the accent card. Um, so it's basically sort of Cards Against Humanity or Apples to Apples, but with accents. 
So I have all of the accent cards from my copy of Cards Against or of, of Utter Nonsense rather. And I'm going to have Josiah pick pick one of these cards. So Josiah, pick a card, any card. What card did you get, Josiah? No, we're not doing that card. <laughs> Josiah's going to pick another card. <laughs> um I sure hope I pick another one that you throw away. <laughs> Because that would be embarrassing. Oh. All right. Okay. Josiah has picked this isn't the card be good. for uh, the Irish accent. I hate and my idea, accents. Cause which I, I did have before them. Michael's uh, Michael's idea, is in one breath, you must read the opening paragraph of the classic novel Lord Jim by Joseph Conrad. In, in one an breath, Irish accent? read the opening paragraph in an Irish accent. What? Get as far as you can. Your entire grade for the semester is resting on this performance. He was perhaps two under two feet, powerfully built, and he advanced straight at you with a slight stoop of the shoulders, head forward, and a fixed from under stare, which made you think I can't do it in one breath. <laughs> <sighs> I'm jealous of you for picking uh, Utter Nonsense, because that has always been on my mind since oh. we started this podcast. You should have told me. I would have just brought it. I expanded my ear too quickly. Well, I have a copy yeah. of it, too. At oh, home, you do? So, okay. yeah. Well, I've just never figured out exactly how to utilize it, but I'm 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 happy that Josiah was the first one to suffer it. <laughs> it was a great suffering, as you can see by the redness yeah. of Josiah's face and sort of the faintness. Well, well, you're, yeah, well Michael's was the one that body. killed me. Yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, so, uh, with that, it gentle of listener, the, it of the... <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was very good. Thanks. Um. Gentle listener, uh, we've concluded our desecration, I believe, of C.S. Lewis's spiritual classic, Tiller of Faces. I'm so sorry, C.S. Lewis. All right, can we all say on the count of three, sorry to C.S. Lewis? One, two, three. C.S. Sorry, C.S. Lewis. So sorry, Wait, how are we saying it? Too late, you missed your chance. Dang it. So, Josiah, Josiah and I have been shriven by the ghost of C.S. Lewis, but Michael. No, I said sorry. I just said it different from you. In the purgatory of the Louisiana. Gentle listener, judge between the gods and me. And once again, Josiah and I are gods. So uh, (laughs) Michael is either the best or a blasphemer or both. Um, (laughs) The liarest of all of us. So no inside out, jokes on out, the podcast. Shout out to Ben Lunston. Thank you, Ben Lunston. <laughs> Michael, uh, Michael, would you like to know what book we're doing next? Week? I would love to know what. Book I would we're love doing to next know week. what book I'm not well, doing next time. You're gonna read along. You are gonna read along because I got you a copy. What? I got you a copy also. What? So unless you have a copy, in which case I'm keeping your copy. I'll give it back. <laughs> or you can keep it. Or I, don't I care. can have two copies. You can have two copies. All right. I have to read a it book. Is, it is a book called "Raise High the Roof Beams, Carpenters," <gasps> and Seymour: An Introduction. Um, this is by J.D. Salinger. You, there are two copies here. You guys can fight over which one which of your you wants. I take this one. It's mine. I got Very this good. one. Now, so this is actually a book so excited with two different novellas in it by J.D. Salinger. So Raise High the Roof Beams Carpenters is one. Seymour, an introduction, is another one. So this was... Wait, I, so we're doing both? 
Well, yes. Two for one? They're part of one book. I don't know what to do about this! And it's like 200 pages total, so... But that's not... What? I'm broken. It, it was published as one book. It's always been one book. But it's in two parts. So I mean, your face. Franny and Zoe also are two separate novellas, technically. So, <laughs> screw you. Anyway. The gentle listener may want to know, uh, you know, Salinger... Um, J.D. Salinger. J.D. Salinger, thank you. Published uh, Catcher, the in, Catcher the in the Rye, of course, which I hate. So the three books that Salinger published besides uh, Catcher in the Rye are all interlinked because they all have to do with members of the Glass family. Um, and Salinger's stor- short story collection, Nine Stories, uh, begins with a story about Seymour from Seymour and Introduction. So, if you want full context for Seymour and Introduction, Isn't I recommend it... reading the first story of Nine Stories, uh, which is called so A good. Perfect Day for Banana Fish. And it is oh a brilliant gosh. story all by itself. And I mean, Nine Stories all by itself and is worth reading. super depressing. I, and super depressing. I really hate to do this, but I think that his grammar is a little off. I think it should be Seymour of an Introduction. No, Just Josiah... <laughs> Get out. Leave now. <laughs> Leave now, please. I'm writing my name in this book. Very good. So, um, Michael has been given a copy because he requires it for this. Josiah has been given a copy as, like, the guest. So, uh, next next month we will be listen- or reading, rather, uh, Race High the Roof Being Carpenters and Seymour an Introduction by J.D. Salinger. I'm Michael really and I will be discussing this. it. Josiah will be reading along with us because he got a freaking copy of the book. Yep. So that's one Thank listener. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. So now we come to the rating part, and I think we are already massively freaking over time. Probably. You can probably... We, we intended to cut the time you... by splitting it in half. I, think we I don't did think somewhat. we did that. So, well, I don't think we did total, but so... we did for per episode. So not so not to not okay to... wait wait we have to rate don't we have to rate the book first? Uh, it doesn't matter. Okay, you, you pick. The, you're the host. We have to rate the book first. Okay, we'll so. rate the book first. Oh no, we have to rate the scotch first. Okay, it, you're the host. Josiah, pick. go ahead, rate the scotch. You started to rate well, the scotch, and I interrupted you, know, you, and I was a butt. Mm. You know, it had it goes down very smooth. It's a, mm. I mean. Words are escaping me right now. Can somebody else go? Sure. <laughs> go ahead. No, I'm, I'm with you. It's going down smooth. Mm-hmm. And floral is the word that comes yes. to mind. It's yes. very powerful on the floral. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 it has a powerful bouquet. You've got the, the roses the, and maybe a little lavender. I'm not sure. Um, but it's, it's, it's very strong and smooth, mm-hmm. as you say. Mm-hmm. And so with that, and, and a little bit of that, that floral sweetness to it, it doesn't have so much of the, uh, the, the honey sweetness, the, the sugary sweetness. It's floral. That's, mm-hmm. that's what gives it the power in this old Putney. And it's the 12-year, right? Is that yeah. correct? Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah, as that goes down really smooth, it's got a little bit of that grassiness, which is, I think, part mm-hmm. of that floralness mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that power that it gives to go down smoothly but with power for me it, it it's a four 4.0 that's okay. what i give it uh four out of five four i agree stars. yeah i agree with everything that you just said um very floral very grassy 
the thing I would add is that there's like a seaweed brininess. To oh it. yes. Um, like my sort of short, like if I'm if I'm just doing like a TLDR description of this scotch, is that it's like if you took seawater, um, like ocean water, and just made it into a drinkable scotch. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's brininess. There's like a salt water to it. Mm-hmm. Um, or drenched seaweed rose thing. in seawater. Yeah, yeah. That's what this scotch is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Take exactly. a rose, drench it in seawater, and drink it. And it's, That's Old Pulton A12 year. As I've said, like this will be no surprise. It's one of my favorite scotches, so I'm going to give it it's a 4.5. Yeah. And I mean, to go along with their comments, um, I definitely agree with the floral. I definitely agree with the grass feel to it. It has a little tiny bit of a smokiness um mm-hmm. on the tongue at the beginning it doesn't stay mm-hmm. for long but yeah. it definitely it's just there just it's definitely it there. there it's it's mm-hmm. like a little little scene of here's a little bit and now gone mm-hmm. um i would i would say close to a four i would be in i would be in agreement with that i mean it's not i i wouldn't say it's like my absolute favorite but it's definitely up there of being a decent scotch so yeah Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we rate the book. Um, the book. What do you think of the book, guys? Recommend or don't recommend? I feel like we've all given this game yeah. away. Yeah, probably. yeah. That was a really good prank call, Michael, and I'm sorry that this is an audio medium and no one but us will be able to see it. Yep. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll give that to our our patrons, those who donate to the podcast. <laughs> they will be able to see it. Yeah. What you're gonna reenact it? I'll do it again. <laughs> oh, I thought we were gonna do some kind of psychic uplink. Yeah, that too. Anyway, anyway, Michael, would you recommend the book or not? No, I I recommended this book in the in the first place without yeah. having read it. So let's let's start with you. Okay. What do you think? Absolutely. Like mm-hmm. again, you know, Narnia is brilliant. The Space Trilogy is like disturbing and weird and also brilliant. But I recommend this book over either of those sets of books. Mm-hmm. Like this is the one to read if you're only going to read one. Mm-hmm. I I would agree. I would absolutely absolutely recommend this book. the The strong themes that you get throughout <clears throat> the idea of belief and how it functions in in terms of what one can see and what one cannot see. The I mean the storytelling with it is is great on a mental level. One of the things when I started reading it was it's not super descriptive of like the physical things. It's mm-hmm. very much of, within the mind of mm-hmm. the author and absolutely dealing with her thoughts. And it's a very, very thoughtful book in that capacity. And I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's a good read. Mm-hmm. I would recommend it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also would recommend it. And let me add to that. Uh, when you read Till We Have Faces, read the original myth yes. of Cupid and Psyche. Yes. Mm-hmm. Read that first. In fact, if if nothing else, read the note at the end. As right. we've got in, in, in our... And in, mm-hmm. you alluded to that, I Ethan, think I mentioned when it I recommended last month. It. Yeah, last month when, when we decided... Or when you, mm-hmm. when you announced that this was going to be the book for this podcast, I said, having read it myself, said read the original myth yes i had yeah. forgotten By lucius apulius platonicus yeah psyche and um, cupid I, I had forgotten though that in most editions of the book now it is included in the note at the end yes so read just, the note at the end yeah read and, the note at the end that's something first that's, that's i won't always recommend yeah, that for sure if if mm-hmm. you have a note at the end wait <laughs> to the end to read it but with this book 
read the note first. In fact, most mm-hmm. introductions I would tend to save. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, the this, end to read it. This book deals a lot more with the trials of a character that's really not nearly as present within the original myth. And mm-hmm. I mean, reading the myth does not ruin the story for you by yeah. any means. Yeah, that's... I think that I mean having a reading of it beforehand strengthens your understanding and your ability to see things as they happen and be like, oh wait. That lines up there, and yep. it allows you to connect the dots much well, more easily. Mm-hmm. Part of it is the expectation. You expect a certain structure based on the myth. Right. Mm-hmm. And so ha- knowing the myth, you mm-hmm. expect that structure. It almost helps And you. then it kind of flips itself on yeah. its head. Yeah. I, I think it's highly beneficial to know the myth beforehand. Yeah. Uh, and, and specifically the myth that Lewis had in mind of Lucius Apulius Platonicus. Right. Um know that first right and then read the book okay. all right so scotch book pairing scotch book pairing what do you guys think um i'm gonna give it a thumbs up um you know this this old pulteney has uh that that seer seafaring sort of aspect to it uh no it's good um so the the seafaring aspect is not directly correlative to the book right but the aspect and the idea of there being something greater than the self right. is part of that whole concept, that whole motif of the sea. The sea is something greater than self, right. and you are there just to explore it. And having that concept in mind when you read the book and then drink this scotch, combining the two, mm. Yeah, that's that's a large part of like why I picked this scotch for this month particularly because i felt like even though it's not sort of a directly like image based uh one for one you know lineup between the two things it's very much in the spiritual sense sort of mm-hmm. a, a brother to well and the motif the of the love too which i mean if you're gonna title subtitle the book a novel of cupid and psyche right. we didn't even talk about oh love. my gosh well, that did. was a big thing we, we could have talked oh, for another hour we, we could do love. another episode on, on oh, just we're gonna do that privately for all of those who are donating to the podcast we'll invite you over <laughs> uh, come on over and talk to us about it um no so so that idea of love and mm. that idea of in this scotch of the, the rose scent Good. being there and that rose right. water taste right. being there, which is frequently in our Western culture a symbol of love. Right. It's there. So right. I give it a thumbs up in, in, in that fact itself, that it's so floral and love is present yeah. in that rose floral right. flavor. Right. I'll go along with that. Sure, <laughs> I, yeah. I agree. You know, I don't. I don't think I could I, have said it any better. Uh, I, and we need to wrap up. Mm-hmm. So, gentle listener, did you have anything to say, Josiah? That, that I'm I... sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're all sorry. We're all sorry to you. I'm sorry, We're sorry to, to see us. I'm sorry to see us, Lewis. We're sorry I'm to sorry the, to the listeners. We're sorry. We're just sorry. The whole idea for sorry. splitting up a book between two podcasts was to, you know, even out the time a little bit. Which you worked somewhat. Kind of. Maybe not the most. Okay. Well, all right. In that interest. Next month, we'll be reading Raise High the Roof Beams Carpenters and Seymour an Introduction by J.D. Salinger. Pick it up. It's short. I may have been being nice to one of our one of our uh, podcast members who because is in the midst of as Lent. as Josiah said, I am a pastor. And we're in the midst of Lent. And Lent 
kicks um, my butt. So two hundred and thirteen pages. I love it. And also I am in the food service mm-hmm. industry. Um so Len kicks my butt. Mm-hmm. Not as much as Michael, but still somewhat. And I am a music teacher. So and, and you're at a Lutheran school too. And so, so I have concerts yeah. coming up. I I've got three concerts coming up within the next couple months. And no one cares, just that. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> I'm uh. <laughs> we love you. We're just kidding. Okay. We're just kidding. Well, anyhow. Michael is sorry he said that just now. Wait. Um, I, anyhow, okay. readers, you should go out and get the books so that I am not the only reader reading this, this book true. along with them. Uh, it's fairly easy to find. I would say you could get it for a few bucks on oh, Amazon, yeah. if nothing else. Or at your um, local bookshop. Or at your local your used, used bookstore, book probably for a few bucks Like also. a dollar, probably. Probably. Find it. In fact, you can say that we sent you there to get it for a dollar, and they will give it to you. Tell them Michael and Ethan in a room with Scotch sent you to half price books and they'll give you half price on the book. <laughs> Excellent work. Um so do that. Uh please, you know, read along, uh join us next time. Um follow us on Facebook, uh re retweet us, re Facebook us, re iTunes us, review us on iTunes, anything like that, any interaction we get just only helps us. Um spread the word if you like the show beyond that uh we have several episodes or several series on our uh podcast network uh tapestry radio network um that are worth listening to we have our uh fiction podcast which takes place behind the scenes and between the scenes of a local community theater that podcast is called intermission um some really good acting going on in that podcast and also me that's so there's that we have two rpg podcasts the first is pokemon rollout the second is roll to amble pokemon rollout obviously is a pokemon rpg cast roll to amble is a DD fifth edition uh uh real play cast um michael says it's really good and everything michael says is actually the truth so uh it's listen true. to those um if you anything that you like please share don't eat those marshmallows please uh give me one of those review us please like us we're on stitcher now you know we're on uh pretty much anywhere that you get you buy free podcasts so uh with that there's chaos happening in the background as usual but we're going to don't act like you know us we're going to sign off uh, I love you all. Michael loves you all. I love you more. Bye. Josiah is eating marshmallows. Bye. We love you. Bye.
while the mic, the, the Nutcracker is eating the microphone out of yes. his patience. Wow. And I just there it goes. The Goodbye, oh. microphone. You, you get that? Cause you better be cutting that. Something bad. I, I won't. I won't cut this. <laughs> Goodbye, gentle listener. Goodbye you know you, forever. You've all hung up the radio now. All three of you. All three of you have been alienated. <laughs> Ah. What are you doing? The Nutcracker loves you. He wants to kiss you. He wants to devour your face. Which the is Nutcracker is a vampire? Boom. Ethan's on to it. He understands. I'll have all of our listeners know that after we're done recording this, we're going to go into the other room and play Cards Kill Against Josiah. Humanity. <laughs> no, we're going to play Bad Art. Oh, yeah, that's right. And bad Art and human. Cards Against Humanity. Oh, that's right. We're, yeah. we're going like to combine both of those. Conflation. So you're dealt a card from Cards Against Humanity, and you have to draw that in six seconds. Uh, Picture of... it in your mind's eye. Wow. You just killed the... Yeah! <laughs> Falling over. What yeah. are you doing? Stepping over here. Oh, okay. my goodness. Don't knock over my scotch. Oh, man. I thought I was a good thing for this show. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you I'm are. wrong. All right. Um, I already have. Why are you writing your name in my book? I also wrote my name in Michael's book. Um, I feel that for this to be proper, uh, I must also write my name in Michael's book. So and it doesn't make any sense. It's all in different directions. It's like we wrote this while in the middle of the 1989 earthquake in San Francisco. Which so. is the year that most of us were born. All of us were born, right? I believe so, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. 89! Nice! 89! 89 babies! 89 babies. Anyway. 89, 89 babies. babies. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to kick this this stand that the microphone I know on. you are. I'm um, sorry. You've so been meddling with the microphone the whole time. You have. Obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener, obviated objects of oblivion obambulating about, offered unto you in the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org, from our fancy to yours. Mm-hmm.